Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Arrowhead Act Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. In the words of Minnie Ripperton, Loving you is easy because you're beautiful. All of you Chiefs fans who listen to this podcast, you're beautiful. We're talking about you right now. Uh, Matt Connor, I had to do a little ode to you since you always start this show off with some random music reference. So how you doing, Matt? I'm good, man. I'm, uh, I, I, we're coming off of a loss and yet I'm just kind of shrugging it off. It, I guess in my head, I'm thinking we had a game where someone had to lose and, uh, like that's the nature of like the definition of a game. So yeah, I don't know. I feel kind of over it already. Did you feel that way? Like following the loss or, or did you take it pretty tough? Yeah, I was fine. Honestly, I was fine. I was at the game. I had the the chance to go to the game. Very nice. Uh, went there. Nick Lowry actually I do a weekly show with Nick Lowry. Uh, very generous. Let me go with him. Had the suite, the whole behind the scenes experience being a hall of famer, you know, chief hall of famer doesn't suck. You, you kind of get some some pretty sweet perks. So we had a lot of fun. We're on the field afterwards. And I, I noticed myself, I was still just excited. Like, even though the Chiefs lost, it didn't take anything away. I wasn't sitting there pissed off. I wasn't sitting here going, oh, well, there goes the season or there goes the one seed. All I did was, you know what? The Bills went all in this year. They signed a guy like Von Miller, who had a hell of a game against Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr., the Chiefs are in the midst of a retooling year, and they kept it to a four-point game with a chance to actually win. I mean, Mahomes had the ball with, what, about a minute left, a minute 13, right? Mahomes had, a, had the ball, chance to win. That's what you want. Uh, it was a great game. Uh, Mahomes threw an interception in the end zone. Uh, you can make the case for should he or should not have thrown that. Uh, then also the Buffalo Bills. I mean, for all this talk of all their talent – Yes, they had one or two mistakes, right? That that came back to bite on the Devin Singletary forward pass. But I'm I'm left saying the youth of the cornerback room giving up only 24 points to Buffalo with no Trent McDuffie, no Willie Gay Jr., no Rashad Fenton, no Brian Cook. I mean, you're sitting here going, you know what? It's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, before we get into any more Chiefs talk, Give a shout out to the best sponsor in the world, Casey Beer Company. I am drinking the Hefeweizen. Yes, pronounced Hefeweizen. Very good. Matt Connor has the, what's that? The Pills Light. Pills Light. It is delicious. If you do not drink Casey Beer Co. and you live in Kansas City, what are you doing? Four ingredients only. Steve, the owner right now, is in Germany picking out the hops that he wants to use to bring back. Yes, that is correct. They pick out their own hops. They, they do it in Germany. It is legitimate. It is that good. Go down to the beer hall, get you a, a, a brat, get you some potato salad, get you some beer. If you see the red cartons in the store, pick it up. Casey Beer Co. Dare to Beer Different. All right, let's get into it, Matt. A lot of Chiefs talk to get into. First yeah. off, what were some of the offensive thoughts, your offensive takeaways from that Bills-Chiefs game? 
Yeah. First of all, before we get too far, just want to say shout out to Rhino for the super chat. Love the pod each and every week. All y'all are the bomb diggity, which look, I haven't been called a bomb or a diggity since I was in middle school. So to receive both now at this late stage of my life feels really good. Uh, let's go. Yeah. So um, I agree right now. You guys are the ones who make this show go. I mean, when we're in the discord, we can talk about memberships and stuff like that later, but, but uh, anyone who listens, all that kind of stuff. I mean, the chief's community overall, like really fuels the fire. And I feel that like when I'm on Twitter and hang out with people, I feel that even when we're recording these episodes, Sterling and I and Richard, like it's just a lot of fun. Certainly a lot of fun to have you guys around. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, let's talk about the game. I was ecstatic that I was right. I was in the pregame show with uh, Patrick and said we were going to watch the coming out party of Juju Smith-Schuster. And then the guy goes off for the most receiving yards he's had in almost 1,400 days on this planet. It had been a long time, man. I think in some ways people wondered whether Juju could be that guy again. Like he'd been that guy and then came um, the decline of Big Ben and then came the decline of his own health. And you look up and a couple of years go by between a receiver and a thousand yard season, right? So I think it's safe to wonder, like, do we pick up Juju because he doesn't have it anymore and the Steelers let him go and it was, or is there something here? You know, Brett Veach is always trying to like these reclamation projects and like, he's not a former first rounder, whatever, but it felt like that same sort of thing. So it was great to see him. What did you think of Juju on Sunday, especially that touchdown? Yeah, I mean, that was just unreal. The contact balance. I, I think he was even surprised when yeah. he got you know, like hit by two dudes. He's like, oh, oh shit, I'm, I'm I'm good. And then he just took off. He's, he's not the fastest guy on the team, not the fastest guy in the NFL, especially after injuries. But he is such a good route runner, and that's been the issue. I talked about Matt Verderam actually for a little bit. The Chiefs have a lot of guys who excel in one aspect. They're either very fast and can't run routes, or they're not fast and can run routes. Sky Moore is kind of kind of both. But Juju falls into the not very fast, but a great route runner. He has solid hands, and we saw him in this game. He was one of the few guys that took advantage of the depleted Bills secondary. I think the yards after catch was extremely impressive. I don't think he does this every single game. I'm not expecting 113 from Juju game in and game out, but he was a consistent difference maker in this game. And I think he still is wide receiver one technically in Kansas City. But you have to be thrilled with the improvements over the past couple weeks from MVS, right? We saw MVS start to get up to speed this game. He was a non-factor. But now we're seeing Juju get more involved. The more and more we see these wide receivers who are either in their first year in Kansas City or rookies gel with Patrick, that bodes well as the season progresses. Again, this is week six. They're going into week seven. There's so many moving parts, so many new faces. It's going to take time. They're all not going to gel. You know, it's not just going to all happen instantaneously. So I think that we're seeing more and more players gel and come together, Juju being this week's guy. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be S-O-L if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. 
You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch. Now, let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy is on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that we miss when we talk about the trade of Tyreek is that you never knew when he was going to break one out. I mean, it could be, you know, here's a simple seven-yard route. A guy misses a tackle and it's over. Or he makes a good move on a couple guys and just outruns them to the edge, and then he's he's off to the races. And the Chiefs don't have that never know when this guy's going to break it out until that play. Like this year, we've been through five full games where no player was like, let me turn this into something totally unexpected and go all the way. And Juju did that on, on Sunday – so I like what they showed there. I like that he has that potential. He's got the speed to burn guys. Like, he's not slow. At the same time, like, you talked about these guys having these. Specifically, I'm thinking of Juju Smith-Schuster, who has the size to box out and the hands to come down with it. And I'm thinking of Jody Fortson, who's been a little bit silent lately, too. And what I'm thinking is when we watch these contested catches in the end zone, right? Like, like on Sunday, like, like Elam came down with the ball, you know, the, the Bills rookie, Kyrie Elam, who is the cornerback taken after Trent McDuffie, really seemed like the Chiefs said we traded up not knowing McDuffie was going to be there. I wonder if Elam was the target there. Like they knew they were going to get a corner. And then when McDuffie was still there, they're like, oh, we'll take McDuffie if he's still here in, instead. So like when Elam came down with the ball, I'm thinking, why aren't we going to one of our targets in the end zone that is like, known for being like can make that contested catch can use his body can come down with it in that way i'm still not sure like you said it's early i'm still not sure that the chiefs know fully how to employ all the guys like they're still needing time sure i think play calling definitely could be questioned here as great as andy Reid is as great as you know be enemy matt Nagy, this entire organization some of the play calling has been questionable to to put it mildly uh, obviously, the tackle play has been, I think, the biggest issue overall. Andrew Wiley uh, getting dominated by Von Miller. Uh, I, I actually want to give some credit to Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, he wasn't horrible. Some of that pressure was Mahomes dropping back a little too far, holding the ball a little too long. I don't blame him. I, I think he's always kind of looking around because you're sitting here going, well, when's it going to happen? When am I going to get hit? I don't know if I completely trust my two tackles. So there's a little bit of give and take in, in that instance. But going back to MVS and that throw in the end zone, I don't necessarily hate it. I've been saying give your receivers a chance. In a game against Buffalo, you're thinking touchdowns are going to be needed, not settling for field goals. Giving MVS a chance, a guy who's, what, 6'4", to go over a maybe six-foot cornerback, right? You're sitting here going, he probably should come down with that ball. Yeah, I get it. MVS is not Jamar Chase. He's not Justin Jefferson. He's not one of these elite wide receivers, but the size is there. I don't hate Mahomes throwing that ball in that situation. I, I guess I would just say, 
you would almost hope that MVS would come down with it. Again, maybe that's too much hope. Maybe you have too much faith in MVS, but that was, that was my initial thought. Sure. Yeah. I, I, um, that's a good point. I don't disagree. I'm also thinking we haven't seen any real volume of targets to Fordson or Juju in the end zone in, in recent weeks. I mean, it doesn't hurt when Travis Kelsey's catching four himself last week. So I get that, but this week, you know, We've had a little bit of problems in the red zone, stalling at times. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it makes me wonder where some of those play calls are at for those guys in particular. I was going to say also, just very quickly, when it comes to play calling, I'm, I'm irritated this game. When it comes to the running back distribution, they do not use the running backs in the correct ways all the time. And you're sitting here going, why are you running an outside run with CEH who's not fast? who's not necessarily explosive, that should be a Pacheco or a Jerry McKinnon run. But yet you're using Clyde Edwards-Alaire. There's just certain times that I'm sitting here going, why is Andy Reid or whoever's in charge of putting the personnel out there in this certain situation, Why do they, do they know who's on the field? Because in that certain situation, certain scenario, that should not be CEH. That's not what he excels at. And expecting him to all of a sudden show burst when he's not done that before, it makes no sense. The running backs all have different attributes that they excel at. You have to find that and use it. They're not interchangeable. That's not what these guys are. And so that's why I keep going back to some of the coaching. I do think some of the play calling has not been has not been behooving the running backs as well as you can even say the wide receivers. Yeah, I can see why you don't want to limit your backs in a way. Like if you put a guy in, the opposing defense automatically knows how you're going to use that guy because he's your guy to do this one thing. Like, like I see why you don't want to be – predictable in that way. Oh, Pacheco's ends. That means you're going to use them this way and never ask Clyde or, or Jerry the other way. I think there's a, a case to be made for that, but yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, running Clyde to some outside zone, Matt Milano's beating him outside, you know, time and time again. And, and the thing there too, Clyde, there like, there's a hesitancy there, right? Like, like you see him and there's a, there's like a, a lack of instinctual get to it. That like like when Pacheco hits the ground, he hits the ground running, and it's over, and he's made the decision. And some every now and then it's a bad decision, but at least the decision's made, and he's there. And like it feels like Clyde's thinking and not like instinctually, res- like just playing. And after a couple of years, that's a li- that it almost seems like there's like some mental hiccups there that could really be um, I don't know frustrating. I want to give a shout out to uh, Flapjack uh, right now in the comments. It says Sterling could have robbed MVS with Matt's Applebee's gift card. Uh, I think he could have got up there. I could have got up there. I uh, went on the field after the game and I was wearing cowboy boots. I wear them so that way I can become six foot. I'm 5'10". So the cowboy boots give me an extra two inches there. Come on. I'm an honest man here. I know I'm not six foot. So I go, well, let me see if I can dunk or at least touch the upright. The upright's 10 feet. And I'm wearing cowboy boots. Old boy still gets up and knocks that thing. Don't give me a football. I would have gotten stuffed and put on my ass. I could have finger rolled it over, but I still touched it. So I'm with you, Flapjack. Thank you for giving me credit. I maybe could have knocked that ball down from MVS. You've got some hops and cowboy boots. Oh, yeah. Man. All right. Again, this is why I want to do the combine. I want it, I want it with you, me, Verter, and Patrick. I'm feeling pretty good about my chances. You're like, <laughs> you're like Race Adkins or something. <laughs> Kenny Chasney. Kenny Chasney in those uh you should run the 40 in cowboy boots. Anyway, 
Gardner Minshew, the cutoff jorts and cowboy boots, just really get into it. <laughs> hey, let's talk. Let's talk tackles here because here because we have. Look, you mentioned Orlando looked a little bit better, but I mean the overall performance has been at like average, average at best, right? Andrew Wiley's looking even worse. I mean, Wiley deserves a lot of applause, a lot of credit for stepping in as a spot starter at multiple positions over the years. He's been a great find for the Chiefs overall in his body, uh, like his body of work. But this year, uh, the edges are really taking down a line that should be like solid and accomplished and receiving a lot of acclaim around the NFL. Like what what answers are there at, at in the middle of a season? Given what's going on, I mean, do you like? I just wonder what you make of the tackle position right now, and what can even be done. I don't know what you do during the middle of the season. It's obviously easy to say, "Well, trade for someone." Well, you're not getting an elite tackle typically halfway through the middle of the season, and if you do, then they have to come in, learn the system, and they have to fit what the Chiefs do. It's not as easy as that. I mean, obviously, Orlando Brown Jr. Like for example, he was solid in Baltimore. Very different system than from Kansas City. Your best hope, truthfully, is this year Orlando Brown Jr. reverts back to what he did last year, which was an above-average left tackle. This year he's been average at best, right? I mean, he's basically been Andrew Wiley, but on the left side, and asking to be the top three highest-paid left tackle. The reason why I don't give as much hate to Andrew Wiley is because we knew what he was. He has not come out and said, I think I deserve to be the third highest-paid right tackle in the NFL. He's not said, I'm elite. He's not come out and said this, that, and the other, right? Andrew Wiley, we knew what he is. He's a a serviceable, rotational tackle offensive lineman. He is who he is. You're kind of hoping that either a canard, Lucas Niang gets healthy, and maybe they can take that spot from him. But I think you have to roll with Orlando Brown Jr. unless you really shake things up, uh, move Joe Tooney to left tackle, Allegretti gets thrown into the to the mix as well. I just don't think that's going to happen. That's too many moving parts, right? That's a lot of moving parts. I will also say Trey Smith has not been as dominant as he was last year. Don't know that's a sophomore slump. Don't know what it is. But Trey Smith has not been the same Trey Smith as he was last year. That is also something to note. Yeah. You got to think that there are some injuries in play here. You got to wonder if there's something going on with Orlando in that kind of way. Um, but, yeah, we're not the only ones concerned. You know, Chiefer – 65 TPT says been trying to have patience with Brown um, and, but I'm running out. Also Benjamin Wackold says Brown is starting to lose my confidence. He's not even being an average left tackle boy. I mean, Swiss, Mr. KC, we are so fortunate to tune. He didn't get injured. There is a contingency. I've seen a slight contingency on like Chiefs Twitter that wonders how Tooney would look at left tackle. Um, given that it may be a little bit easier to replace guard. I don't like the idea of upsetting two positions in that way. You know, like if you have a great guard, keep a great guard. Let's not mess with a good thing. But yeah, at the same time, it's, I don't know how you figure something out. I'm also slightly confused why the Chiefs don't either help more or either use the sixth offensive tackle or keep a tight end and block. The Raiders had great success doing that against Kansas City. But if the Chiefs can't give Mahomes time, how often are you getting through five reads anyways? I mean, truthfully, how often are you getting through five reads? Yeah. Have an extra blocker and then have only three or four guys out. Give Mahomes time. He'll find someone. Keep him upright. Keep him safe. 
I, I just don't understand this. Maybe maybe I'm wrong here. Obviously, I'm I'm not Andy Reid. I'm not going to be a Hall of Fame head coach. But it just feels like there's some. I don't know. You, you don't want to. It's worked in the past, so you don't want to do it now. The tackles have been such an issue, especially against these elite pass rushers who came to City. I mean, they played the elite pass rushers so far, right? Yeah. But they need help. It's clear as day. We're all, we can all see it. Give them help. Hey, look how, how much worse how much worse could Jaron Christian or Prince Tagawanogo be than Andrew Wiley? Like like Andrew Wiley's holding off these other guys who are swing tackles who are on the roster. You know, Prince Tega is one of these like developmental guys um, who is growing into something. How high is that ceiling? We don't know. Jaron Christian has started games both left and right side for the Texans for the last couple of years. If he's serviceable, isn't that better than what Wiley's giving us at this point? Like he was really looking bad um, yeah. at this point. So why are we not seeing a replacement l- level in there? Can it be worse than what we're seeing and we're also not hearing anything about Lucas Niang. Someone just asked that even in the questions too, you know, asking what, like, what do we know about his timeline? Like, what do you, like, have we, have we heard anything? I can't recall the last update that Andy Reid has given. No, I've, I've heard nothing, but I would also say as much as I am, don't take the ball out of Mahomes' hand, run the ball at least a little bit more consistently they should be able to. They've not been able to, and that's also part of the problem here. When you have the interior that Kansas City has, you should be able to run the football, and they just haven't. We saw it from Buffalo. Give them all the credit. I went into the game saying the running backs are nothing special, and then what did they do? They pounded the rock early on with Devin Singletary, and they were gashing Kansas City on the ground. The Chiefs need to try and do that again. I don't know if they just all of a sudden were pissed off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's why they were so so good because they were so angry and wanted to – you know, try try and get back. It wasn't the Super Bowl, obviously, but try and show something, get some dignity back. But it was that one game, and that was it. Like, they should do that every game. The Buccaneers' front is just as good as Buffalo's. Yep. yep. I just don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, there's a lot of great opinions, a lot of great questions flying. Uh, just want to say so many of you who are commenting – or asking questions are a part of the AA memberships um, here at Arrowhead. I just want to let you guys know too, uh, we have memberships that you can be a part of and sign up for, and uh, we'd love to have you be a part of it. There are three levels of memberships, and just want to let you know, you can go to arrowheadaddict.com slash memberships and see everything there. But know this, when you sign up for even the rookie camp level, um, you get access to great weekly newsletters from our own Adam Best, um, and you get view at, view only access to our Discord. But from there, with the starting 11 or our newest level, the Ring of Honor for $9.99 a month, you get full Discord access, the newsletter, you get uh, film Fridays with like extra video content from our own Matt Verderam, um, so much more. We all hang out there. We love to take reader questions from the Ring of Honor for the show like this. Um, there's also fantasy leagues and, and trivia and giveaways and all kinds of other things too. So uh, anyway, check out all of the details, uh, arrowheadaddict.com slash memberships. By the way, shout out to, it must've been your great speech right there. Corey Rowe joined the ring of honor. So thank you, Corey. Welcome to Corey. Come on, Corey. We're gonna have some fun in there. We'll have a very good time. Sterling, what are your, do you have defensive takeaways from the game? Oh yeah, uh, like, like you know, I mean, clearly there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about there. 
let, let's start in the secondary because that's been a big part of the conversation there, right? You have no McDuffie, you have no Cook, you have no Fenton, which means we saw Legereus Sneed move inside, and then you had starting on the outside Jalen Watson most of the time and Joshua Williams most of the time. A fourth and a seventh round pick again in the in the single most anticipated game of the year um, against the Bills. What did you think of overall that that like the cornerback group um, or the secondary on Sunday? What choice do they have? I mean, this is what they were going to roll out and go with. They've you mentioned no McDuffie, no Fenton. When you're all young, you're going to have growing pains. Joshua Williams was going to get burnt from Gabe Davis and from Stephon Diggs. Look at the dude for uh, for Denver, Mathis. I don't know if he's a rookie or not, but that guy got absolutely torched yesterday, right? I mean, that guy was yellow flag after yellow flag. He could not stop holding. We didn't get a lot of penalties from these guys. That They weren't in horrible positions, but they were going up against very, very good wide receivers. You could have said maybe they should bracket those guys. They could use some help, but also you can't get any pressure with four. That's what it comes down to for me. I don't care about the secondary as much right now. I think they did a fine job, but holy crap, zero pressure with four guys. Not even close. So Spags has to blitz with a fifth or even a sixth guy. And it's just so frustrating. There's so much capital, so much money spent in the defensive line. Chris Jones has been great. He's not been the issue at all. It's everyone else. Even George Karloff is who I've liked. I've enjoyed watching him play. That was a great draft pick. Pressures were great, but he didn't get much pressure this game. He didn't do anything this game. He, He didn't keep Josh Allen in contain. He struggled. Frank Clark, what? Looked like a, on a couple of plays he just gave up. I, I don't know. They, they need some edge help because there's no way you can expect a rookie cornerback one-on-one with Stephon Diggs or Gabriel Davis to hold that long against Josh Allen being the quarterback when there's zero pressure on them. No chance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I actually liked the job that the cornerbacks did. I thought they did exactly what you would want them to do. I Like Josh Williams came up with some great run defense. Um, and he and he he got burned, but he was left alone against a stellar offense. Is going to happen. Um, real quick, just want to give a shout out Ever, Evan Gabrielson with the super chat. As always, love the pod. You guys are awesome. Would love to see more Pacheco on the field. I think Clyde isn't it. What do you think of that, Sterling? I, I think right now with the offensive line, or should I say, tackle issues. You, you, I don't, I don't trust Pacheco in in pass blocking yet. Uh, maybe because we haven't seen it enough, so maybe I could be wrong. He's incredible, but it leads me to believe that Andy Reid, the offensive coaching staff, they don't trust Pacheco as much as McKinnon or Clyde in pass protection, and that's why we're not seeing more of him. If the offensive line improves one hundred percent, we'll probably see more Isaiah Pacheco. But until the tackle situation gets shored up, it's going to be difficult for him to see the field. Uh, most of it being just. When when these tackles are getting burnt, do they trust him to pick up uh, pick up the the uh, the blitzer? Yeah, yeah. I'm you know I'm, I'm not over Clyde. I I mean Clyde mm-hmm. has really shown up big in several games already this year. Um, you know I mean he carries the weight of being the first round pick. There's nothing he can do about that. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, you know I'm not over him. At the same time, I'm I'm in, we're, I think we're all intrigued. 
like Evan is by Pacheco to see like what he can do and, and what's possible there. Remember that quote from Brett Veach right before the draft, he said, I think there's a late round guy there. He said, he mentioned, I love the running backs in this draft. Even the late ones. I think there's a thousand yard back that could be had in like round seven or late rounds. And then we grab Pacheco and I think everyone's kind of like, Hey, is he that kind of guy? I would love to see it. But, um, but you're right. You know, he's got to have a more well-rounded game trust earning the trust of the coaching staff makes all the difference there. So um, I, w- I want to go back to, I want to go back to the defense real fast. They, they lost Turk Wharton, which I think was a bigger hit than what people realized. Like he's a, he was a decent disruptor in the middle and Mike Dan has also been gone. I'm a little bit more hopeful that Karloftis can grow, that Dana can bring a little something. Um, Chris Jones, I mean, Chris Jones looks like he's playing for defensive player of the year. I mean, I mean, he's, he's for sure a top five defender in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, we're, we're lucky to have him cause you're right. There's nothing else there. Wondering what Dunlap could do with more time. Frank's got, you know, his own illness issues that, that really seem to affect the way he can be a consistent force. There's just a lot of fingers crossing here. Um, I don't know. You know, do you think they have to make a move? Um, Is there any hope this comes together on its own? I I think they'll, man, that's a tough question. I think they stick with it for the most part, as far as I don't think a splash move gets made. And I I know we're going to talk about this in a second, as far as, you know, free agents, as far as, uh, trade deadline situations, but as far as the D line currently goes, I think they're somewhat content as far as they want to see what they have. This is a retooling year. And again, I want to keep reiterating this. There's a reason they didn't bring back Tyron Matthew or, or Tyree kill. They're trying to almost usher in a new wave of players, right? You don't want to panic after six weeks and just say, let's blow it all up. Let's, let's go they realize this is going to be a, you know, however long Mahomes is here, right? 15 year process. It's what the Patriots did. You have to retool and every couple of years, maybe every four years, whatever it is, five years, you're going to go through a year where you're like, we're going to have to find a way to get it done with youth and maybe with, without as much talent as we would like. And I think edge seems to be that spot where you're not going to have just a all pro at every position. It's not going to happen especially with Mahomes no longer on a rookie contract. And the fact that Frank Clark has not lived up to the contract, the fact that they've gotten no other help outside of Chris Jones, I, I don't know if they go and bring in their splash move type of player. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm with you. It's it's hard to tell. Um, we'll talk more about that in a second. I want to talk – I want to finish up our conversation on the defense because in some parts of Chiefs Twitter, you would think that Nick Bolton – had turned into Ben Neiman. And I guess I just want to ask you, uh, what are your thoughts on the conversation around Nick Bolton these days? I get, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to become Skip Bayless and lose the nuance. And I think I think some of the guys want to have – like Twitter makes it impossible to have a nuanced conversation. They don't give you like several paragraphs to make your case. However – um, there is some chatter out there about Nick Bolton having a down year, not playing as well. 
I don't want to remove what can be taken from that. I want to have a nuanced conversation and not just like hot take on top of a hot take and reduce it all down to what it isn't. But I wonder what your take is on Nick Bolton this year. He hasn't had Willie Gay next to him for the last several games. Um, he's holding it down with a lot of other pieces missing in front and behind him. Like, what's your take there? I know he's your boy, M-I-Z, but, yeah, tell us what you think. Earmuffs, kids. I think it's fucking asinine <laughs> that people would hate on Nick Bolton. If you think Nick Bolton is the issue on this defense, what the fuck are you doing? What What are you watching? They're like, well, he's got to shed tackles. He, what do you want him to do? It's because the offensive linemen are blowing through the D-line like freaking Charmin. I don't know. No, not Charmin. Fucking one-ply, half-ply toilet paper, and they're getting to Bolton. What do you want him to do? He's a short tackler. Him and Legereus Sneed are like the only short tacklers on this team. He's been out not playing with his Robin. If he's Batman, where's Robin? Right? That's Willie Gay Jr. They're a tandem. He's gone. What do you want Nick Bolton to do? We knew his limitations when he when he came out of college. He's been honestly fine in, in uh, pass coverage. He's not great. He's probably never going to be great, but we knew that. Asking him to be, I don't know, Ray Lewis, but also have the ability of Fred Warner back there. It's like, it's a second-round draft pick. It's a middle linebacker. What do you want from him? He cannot be the best player of all time, and that's what fans want him to be. He's a very good player. He's a useful player. Blaming him for, for I don't know what, it's asinine. Sometimes, <laughs> I love analytics, I love some of the numbers, the, the, the fun the fun finds. Stop. Use your eyes. Watch a game. Like, just, just, just watch the game. Stop looking at spreadsheets. I fucking love Microsoft Excel. Get off it during the game. Like, I get so frustrated because Nick Bolton is such an asset. Such a sure tackler. Sure. Can he grow? 100%. He has room to grow. But he's, he's probably not going to be the best linebacker in the NFL. And if that's the only thing where it's either he's the best linebacker in the NFL or he's ass, come on. Come on. I mean, it's so frustrating. It's just there's no in-between. There's no nuance. He's a very good linebacker. He's an incredible second-year linebacker. He's doing a very fine job. He's the guy getting the play calls, getting dudes in place. They gave him 24 points with all of these injuries, all the youth on the defense of the Buffalo Bills who scored, what, 38 against what's supposed to be a vaunted Steelers defense. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You're not alone. Flapjack City says, agree. Ray Lewis said, get me dogs up front so I can feast. Shed a block. How about the D-line eat the center? Uh, Tom Hood says, Willie Gay is a good cover guy, and Bolton is not. I mean, Yeah. For someone who does not pay attention to linebackers, Nick Bolton makes you pay attention, says Swiss Mr. KC. Uh, and uh, Bolton is balling. Twitter trolls are idiots, says Micah Hayes. One more here. Lucas says Nick Bolton isn't having a down year, but he definitely hasn't taken the step forward that we hoped he would. I'm, I'm hopeful that Willie Gay's sure. return changes that. I, I, I think, you know, look, uh, my opinion, every one of these guys – it's not baseball. It's not like you can like have a Mike Trout season in the middle of a shitty Angels lineup, right? Yeah. You're part what you're part of an orchestra and when you do that, you like you rely on every other instrument out there to do your part. And if they are unable to do their part, 
then that bleeds over into what you're doing and it makes the whole unit look bad. I think really the only player who can look good on maybe a not so great unit is like an Aaron Donald or whatever. Even Chris Jones has been like frustrating at times. And then you look and you're like, well, he's, he's, he's great. He just, but he's not carrying. I mean, even now we're talking about a pass rush that sucks. And we're talking about him being a candidate for defensive player of the year because one guy can't do it. Like you need more than Jones. You need more than Bolden. And so when Gay comes back, it's going to be different. When McDuffie comes back, it's going to be different. When Cook comes back, it's going to be different. I think I just think that's the lesson learned here. Yeah, it's just I just get so frustrated. I, I just I just do. It's either you're a Hall of Famer or you're a fucking bum. You're a bum. It's like, come on, dude. Nick Bolton is very, very good. Very, very good. Is he the best <laughs> linebacker in the NFL? No, he's not. Is he having a good year for a second or a second round, second year linebacker calling the plays on a much improved defense? Yes, he is. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, let's talk activity here before the trade deadline. Look, um, just for just by way of the way this goes, uh, if you don't know, the NFL's trade deadline is November one. That means we have just about two weeks for Brett Veach or anyone else to make a trade. Now, here's the way this goes: for his first four years, we all said, "Is Brett Veach going to trade? Is Brett Veach going to trade?" And then Brett Veach just kicks his heels up on his desk. And he's like. Uh, I did all that shit in the preseason and the offseason. Then last year, it looked like, well, here's year number five. Brett Veach doesn't do NFL trade deadlines. Then he's like, hey, LDT, why don't you go back to Montreal or New York? Or I don't even give a shit where you end up. See you later. And sends him back to med school. Then he says, <laughs> Melvin Ingram, I don't give a shit where you want to play. Get your ass here. So suddenly it's like, whoa, now he's wheeling and dealing at the deadline. Which makes me kind of think, we don't know what Veach is going to do this time around. I want to start with just a simple yes or no with you. Is Veach going to make a trade at this deadline? I think he makes a trade at this deadline. A trade. I don't think it's a splash move, like I mentioned earlier, but I think a trade gets done, some of it for the simple reason they have so much draft capital for next year's draft and the upcoming drafts. You won't have the space on your roster for those guys. If you think you can get a guy that can help this year without mortgaging part of your future, that's why I don't think a first round or a second round or any of those guys or any of those picks get, get traded. I think a fourth, fifth, sixth, those are on the realm of possibilities. And no, I'm not from Canada. Flapjack, don't start this, okay? USA, baby. U.S. of A. Um, I just don't think a splash move gets made because I think there's a longer outlook here than just trying to go all in like the Broncos, like the Bills, or like a plethora of other teams have this season. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what to think here, but I want to. I just want to ask, like, if they were going to make a move. Here's what's frustrating to me. The early season has yet to like really separate a lot of teams. Like last week, the Steelers won. So there's like a little bit of hope uh, there, right? I mean, the Lions are losing clearly. The Panthers are losing clearly. But there are some others. I mean, like the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills are all 500 
or more. The AFC West, no one's going to trade with the Chiefs, even though the Raiders are 1-4. They've got to feel a little bit better about being better than they've looked. Uh, with the Steelers just winning, that I mean, like everyone's within a single game in the AFC North, and the AFC South looks eminently winnable for anyone. I mean, maybe, maybe not the Texans, but, you know, like are you afraid of the Titans or the Colts in there? Do you really think you want to write that off so quickly? When so many teams feel like they can still be in it, what do you do with that? I don't know. Um, I will say this. What, like, the draft next year is in Kansas City. And some people have said there's no way the Chiefs are trading, like, their first-round pick, knowing they could announce that in front of a home club. Do you buy that or not? Yes. For multiple reasons, but I, I do buy that as one of the reasons, even if it's not the largest reason. I just think they're they're trying to get younger, controllable talent. You do that through the draft, especially through first-round draft picks. They're not going to keep all their fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders. I, I agree. But that first rounder, if you can get a tackle, if you can get an edge, a wide receiver, a position of need, the best way to do that is through the draft as far as young, controllable talent. Uh, sure, it's not going to probably be Brian Burns at edge at pick 30, 31, 32. But – if you can get a useful player, because again, Mahomes is now no longer on a rookie deal. Travis Kelsey, while he did revamp some of his contract, I think most of that was just for uh, the rest of the season to make practice uh, practice squad up and down, right? I, I, that was more or less, I think, they needed some breathing room. So Travis Kelsey, thank you for the 3.5 mil to let the Chiefs have at least something to operate with. But they have some expensive players now. Joe Tooney's a very expensive left guard. They have to figure out what to do at left tackle going forward, right? Whether that's Orlando Brown Jr. or not. There's money. They're bringing in Brian Burns, as much as I would love that, right? Phenomenal player. You give up a first rounder and probably a second rounder to get him. Then you got to re-sign him. That's a lot of money. Yeah. One, I don't think Carolina's going to trade him because you don't draft those type of players to trade him. But, but two... If I'm Kansas City, I don't think I want to give up a first and second rounder and then re-sign him. You just did the same thing with, again, a little different, but Frank Clark. Burns is better than Frank Clark ever was. But you still don't want to do that. You don't want to double down that decision. We, we saw what happens if you think a guy has something left in the tank, all of a sudden does not, and now you're stuck with a massive contract and no draft capital. Would you rather – what if the best you can get is a Karloftis, which – I mean, we sure. don't know the we don't know the ceiling there, but it seems to be lower than a Burns, right? Yeah, no, I agreed. So is a trade up not worth that sort of like ability to find that elite level? Uh, no, just, just to just, just to me because you're you're not going to have, and this is what I always go back to. It's not Madden or it's not the situation where you have an all-pro at every single position. As much as we would like to, as much as it's easy to find, well, where's the weak spot? You're not going to have an all-pro at every single level. But you can't be bad at certain positions. You can't be bad and have multiple holes. That's what it comes down to. I always like it to, if you want to do a baseball term, the Tampa Bay Rays, for example, almost always make the playoffs. Do they ever have a traditional superstar or multiple guys? No, they get it done, done through their system. Good job when it comes to, to you know, um, pitchers, but they don't have a weak link. They don't have these massive holes. And that's what the Chiefs have done. 
They don't have a whole bunch of massive holes outside of edge right now, or at least pass rush. So get some improvements there, but you don't want to go all in there. And then all of a sudden now you can't pay your left tackle. Now you can't pay a wide receiver to come in and make an impact. Then you're taking deficits over here. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, um, I, you say we can't have a super, you say we can't have an all pro at every position or pro bowl, but if there's one, I want one at it's there. Sure. And, and I think I'm open to that trade for Burns or a guy like Burns for that very reason, because, because I don't, uh, I don't know that we can get one at the bottom of, of, a, of the first round or at any round uh, in the draft. Although that said, the bills grabbed Greg Russo a year ago and he's looking the part across from Von Miller. So, you know, who knows? Um, that is what it is. I'm trying to look um, up how Brian Burns when he was drafted. He was a first rounder drafted. He's like number sixteen or something by the Panthers. Yeah, right? sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Um. Hey, let, let's um. Let Let's move here. Uh, we got some questions from Ring of Honor members. Um, and we've kind of touched on some of these already, but I want to make sure we covered them. Jeremy Kennedy says this, given the injuries on the defensive line, they've undoubtedly need, they undoubtedly need another pass rusher. But even if people weren't injured, do you think there could be a good pass rush for the Chiefs without blitzing? As it stands right now, they have to blitz to get any pressure. Whether it's Legereus or Nick Bolton, they're, they're going to have to do something. Whether that's trying to see if Leo if Chanel can play some edge, I don't know. But they're getting pressure with 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 basically Chris Jones, and that's it right now. Is Robert Quinn going to be cheaper as far as draft capital? Could be. Could be. Again, I, I just don't feel like going for, for Brian Burns at the moment. Those big, splashy names at the moment. Maybe look at Washington, right? Because Washington has a lot of guys, a plethora of dudes up there. And Montez Sweat? Are we getting Mont- Montez Sweat? And he would not be, in my opinion, near as expensive as, as Burns. Maybe that's the way they go, and that'd be a, a splashier move and, in my opinion, fit the longer-term outlook of Kansas City better than a Robert Quinn. So maybe they look at Washington from one of those guys up there. But that's the only way. I think that's, I think that's probably about the top-end guy you would see is a Montez Sweat. Uh, maybe, a, what, Jonathan Allen, someone from up from, from Washington could be on the on the table. Yeah. You know, they've got like pains on the interior there. I mean, he, he looked great. They also signed Jonathan Allen long-term. So I'm not sure if, if they have room for like to keep Payne around, but uh, Deron Payne's great. I like, I think he'd be a great addition inside next to Jones. Um, and maybe we could quit playing some of the one, you know, one trick ponies there uh, that we have been <clears throat> naughty. Anyway, uh, we have, by the way, we have a super chat here, KL368. What's the confidence level that McDuffie comes back? I'm assuming he means this week. Mm. Um, and he's still playing a little bit coy, but he is back at practice. You think we see McDuffie here? Or are they going to hold out and give him through the bye week and then bring him back? Like I've been saying all along. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, Andy Reid is, is like Fort Knox, dude. No secrets are coming out. It's very obnoxious. I understand to an extent, right? But it's also like, come on, man. Let us know. I want to know. Give me something, Andy. Uh, I I wouldn't be shocked, and I probably would lean to McDuffie coming back before the bye. 
the reason being, even if it's not, you know, he's not playing hundred percent of snaps, but just to get him back in before the bye, give him some snaps, uh, some semblance of game action. A lot of us assumed McDuffie was coming back against the bills. And the fact that we almost all assumed he was coming back against the bills leads me to believe that he was probably very, very close. So I wouldn't be shocked if he came back against the Niners. Uh, it'd be good for him. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, not the best quarterback. If you saw how he's thrown the ball this season, you see why they wanted to go to Trey Lance. And it would give him some confidence, in my opinion. Uh, I would like to see McDuffie back this week, and I do think he plays. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh, next question for you, Sterling. This comes from uh, Just 25 Would the Chiefs do a package deal with the Panthers and get more – and Burns for, say, Hardman and Clark with some draft capital added on to make it better for the Panthers. Do you think any? You think there's any move there at all? I mean, we talked about Burns already, but maybe more, maybe, I don't any like anyone else there? I don't know if, one, the Chiefs could even realistically make that happen with the contract situations because D.J. Moore signed a three-year 60 mil, dollar, 60 mil contract, so he's getting paid about 20 mil a year. And two, the Panthers, you'd have to give up so much draft capital they don't want frank clark that's a cut they don't want hardman might be a cut or at least just he's on the roster but he's not adding anything i no i i don't i don't see that happening as much as i would like both those players in a sure. nutshell in a vacuum right just logistically speaking what the panthers would say i don't see that happening yeah one more uh jeremy c said What's your level of concern about the wide receivers? We talked a little bit about them already, but overall, are the wide receivers doing what you want them to do? Is there is there more than that? I the wide receivers have been been fine, right? They, they've been okay. It's kind of what I expected. I thought maybe a little more separation, but to expect MVS to take that next step was maybe a little foolhardy on my part. I thought, okay, he'll get more opportunity here in KC. We might see some more consistency, but if he didn't do it with Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes is same tier. I would say better than Rodgers right now, but Rodgers is obviously a phenomenal quarterback. I don't know why I thought MVS was going to take that next step. He's still young. The traits are there, but we've seen a lot of players show great traits but not be a great, I don't say great, but, but be not necessarily make a massive difference with any sort of consistency. MVS can do it for a game here and there, but we've not seen it with any sort of consistency. Maybe it goes on as the season progresses. Again, it's six weeks in, first time with Mahomes. I think Juju has been what we all could have hoped for, right? I think Juju has been very, very solid. Um, I would like to see more Sky Moore because he possesses the route running with the speed, which is something I talked about earlier, something I mentioned with Matt Verderam. Again, he's the only guy that possesses route running and speed. Everyone else is either one or the other. Uh, so I think Sky Moore, playing him more would help. Uh, and then Hardman, I just don't know what you do going forward. Uh, every once in a while, he looks like he's going to be uh, a game changer. Even early against the Bills, that first couple drives, was it 43 yards, something like that, three receptions. You're like, McCole Hardman game. And he did have a nice touchdown catch. When was the last time you've seen McCole Hardman sit down in a zone, in the end zone, catch the ball like a possession receiver. It was great. 
So maybe that's something he's learning, but it just still feels like him and Mahomes are not always on the same page. Uh, as far as the receiving core goes as a whole, this is probably what we should have expected. Yeah. Yeah, without Tyreek, that's what you're going to get. Uh, by the way, if you don't like Sterling's takes right now, just know Evan Warner calls him the great value Jim Rome. So, you know. Evan, I met you this weekend, pal. Come on. I love Evan. Very nice guy. Great friend of the show. He brought me Yingling because he came from Pittsburgh, just outside Pittsburgh, and uh, drove down for the game, him and his parents. They're very nice people. It was great meeting Evan. He said he had a lot of fun, got some barbecue, hung out with uh, a lot of people listening to the show also. Um, so cheers, Evan. Very nice of you. But well, yes, I basically am apparently the great value, Jim Rowe. Dude, I'd put that on my bio if I were you. That's good. It, it is in Discord, apparently. I didn't even make it. Someone put it for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Hey, um, let's talk 49ers real fast. I want to hear your prediction. Um, can you what like what's your early feeling premonition about going into Santa Clara this weekend, Levi Stadium, facing Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers? Well, the Niners are very banged up. Yeah, this is a good time to face him, right? Very, very good time to face him. I think it's going to be a closer game than the majority thinks. I don't think Vegas is that far off. I think, what was it, three points? Mm-hmm. Um, a little low, but if it was, you know, 24-17, 21-17, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, even with all the injuries to the Niners, they, they have such a great scheme, such great coaching. They take care of the ball. Uh, I, I just, it just feels like a bad matchup for Kansas city, just scheme wise, even with all the injuries, it just still feels like a bad matchup scheme wise. I don't see the chiefs blowing the Niners out. I think they win, but I think it's going to be one of those ugly games where you're like, let's just get through the bye and then look forward after that. You, uh, you're making a lot of a team that's lost to the bears mm-hmm. Falcons. Correct. And uh, who else? Uh, um, the Broncos. Correct, yeah. You still think they're going to be tough? I I think it's going to be tough. I, again, it's just based on scheme. It's just based on how the Niners operate. I don't think it's a great matchup for Kansas City. That zone read, you know, as far as the running backs in space, great blocking up front. I think it's going to be difficult. You're going to see Nick Bolton again probably with like 15 tackles because he's the only guy out there, uh, you know, able to tackle because the D line gets pushed back for Kansas city. I don't think the Niners score a lot of points. I think the over under was like 44 and a half. And I took the under, I would rip the under. Um, it's just one of those games where I think the chiefs win, but it's going to be an ugly one. Mm. I I'm kind of the opposite. I think we're going to blow them out. I mean, uh, the Niners are hurting. I think we get some real key defensive pieces back. I think Mahomes is going to want to like shake off the, the bills game and go into the buy on a high. Um, yeah, I, I think Chiefs win this one by two scores or more. Wow. Hey, I would love that. If there's a game where I can have no no worry, blood pressure not going through the roof, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> that statin medication can only do so much. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, All yeah. right. You want to do some must list? Is that what you want? Let's do it. Let's that, do that, it. Pa- that pause right there made me seem – Matt wants to do the must list. And you know what we must do? Bring in Richard. Boom. What's up, guys? 
Nice uppercut, Richard. Yeah, thank you. That was, that was 25 miles per hour. This guy, you're I fucking keep forgetting up it. I can go get it. It'll take me 30 seconds, 45 seconds to get it. I can okay. get it. No. Okay. No. okay. Next time. Next time. Uh, Muscleless, this week, if you're new to this, just know that every week we end our episode with a recommendation. We call it the must list. You can recommend whatever you want. We've recommended everything from old music, which is always sterling, bringing up something that his grandpa played when he was a kid, to bond me sandwiches because we recommend whatever the hell we want. Richard, I would love to roll out the red carpet for you, my friend, and say, what are you recommending to all of us this week? All right, guys, it's October. I'm still watching horror movies, one a day, every day. We're doing a rewatch, and then we're doing a new movie, alternating. And I, I for the first time, watched The Hitcher, 1986 The Hitcher, starring uh, Rudger Hauer as the titular Hitcher. And then you got Thomas C. Hal as uh, Jim Halsey, the, uh, the stupid guy, the stupid guy who picks them up. And then uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who I didn't even realize was in that. Uh, awesome film. Uh, you can find it on HBO and uh, Hulu, though it's in 4x3, which is super weird. I don't know why they're even showing it in that format, so that wow. kind of bugged me. But beyond that, I enjoyed it a lot. It, it was really freaky. Yeah, Man, I, Rutger Hauer, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I just love that you're talking about it like a uh, – like a, is it a classic? I, 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 to me, it is. I didn't, I've never even seen it until then, and I was like, this is a classic. <laughs> I don't Dude. know if it's a classic, but it's a classic. Richard is a badass. I love it. I love Th- the Halloween thanks, approach. Are, are, are you shocked that Richard, look at his room. It's like dark with purple, almost, was that black lights in there? With that long hair and stash, that screams, oh, yeah, dude, I'm super into Halloween. Sterling, what do you got? What's your must list this week? Yeah, I went with, uh, again, this is not quite grandpa, but it's more or less um, maybe your age. Come on, dude. It's uh, Screaming for Vengeance, Judas Priest. Back off, man. Back off. (laughs) Uh, I love Let's hear your Judas Priest. Oh, no. No chance. Come on. Just give us some sort of. You think uh, different album, but you think I'm going to sing Painkiller right now? No shot, pal. The people do No shot. No, I can't do it. I can't sing the Hellion or Electric Eye. You want to sing Electric Eye right now? Hell Bent for Leather? No. No chance. Is that the name of a song, Hell Bent for Leather? Oh, yeah. Big time. All right. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that sure was. Are you listening to Judas Priest this week? Yeah, I love Judas Priest, dude. Honestly, a very good, good song off a weird album that Judas Priest had was You Say Yes off of Point of Entry. Very good. Very good. How often do you press play on a Judas Priest like album? Oh, pretty often. I mean, just in general, I just listen to different stuff. Chili Peppers came with a new album called The Return of the Dream Canteen. Very, very good. Frashante absolutely shreds on it. But I love Judas Priest, man. Rob Halford, come on. I said no. I was just I was curious. Yeah. Yeah. How but, often do you put on Judas Priest? Um, zero. Never. Richard? Zero. Sorry. Zero. Richard says that's too soft for me. Looking at no, what no. you look like, and he's like, I only listen to Slipknot. 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 All right. Thank you. We just synced that up on. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, Richard, by the way, what's the best, what's your favorite horror movie recommendation? That I've seen this year. I'll, uh, you know what? I'll say I watched this movie called Brain Dead. That was pretty gnarly. It's it's by Frank Henenlotter, the guy who's done like a basket case if anyone's ever seen that or knows that yeah i can't go into what brain dead's about but check it out i warn you though there's some really crazy stuff in there but it's cool 
Someone says you look like you have a smoke room with black lights and Cypress Hill posters. I saw that. <laughs> That's actually a Toxic Avenger Kid. poster, though. So more more horror movie nonsense. I mean, Richard yeah. is insane in the membrane, though. Have you guys seen Event Horizon? That horror movie? Oh yeah, yeah. I think like that, like that's probably my favorite horror movie ever. It's like freaked me totally. I do like I do like the guy. I forget that actor. The um the guy from Jurassic Park. He rules. Sam uh, Sam Rockwell or something. Sam Sam Neil. Sam Neil. That's it. Yeah. I don't understand scary movies. Like, why do I want to scare myself and then like in the middle of the night be like, oh shit? Like, I hate that. Why Why would I do that to myself willingly? The answer, Sterling, is that we, as you know, humans, we don't have like natural predators anymore, and we don't feel scared by things. So, you know, these movies help us get scared. Bullshit! Bears, round recluse <laughs> spiders, tearing your ACL playing basketball—those are all predators. Let me let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, I'll make my I'll I'll keep mine Halloween centered. I'll I'll make my must list Event Horizon, and just call it that because I I feel like. People need to see it if they haven't already seen it. By the way, this is a total aside. Do you guys, like, I'm old enough. This may sound weird. I'm old enough, like, to have been, like, kind of adultish when the internet was, like, did you guys ever see Blair, the Blair Witch Project, the original? Oh, yeah. Uh, Saw okay. in theaters. Yeah. Saw in theaters. And at the time, it was, like, a marketing ploy. They used all actors that no one had ever heard of. There was no IMDb page. No one had ever heard of anyone associated with the film. And they were pitching the film as like, we found this footage in the woods in in Western Maryland or something, right? And mm-hmm. I remember going to the theater thinking, yeah, that's not true, but maybe it is. And <laughs> and literally everyone else thought the same thing. And there was no like social media or like internet to like tell you it wasn't true. So I'm in there. I'm in the whole theater, like, like crowded back-to-back sold out theater. And everyone there is watching this thing and no one knows if it's real or not. Like, like everyone's kind of doubting, but I'm tell- I've never had an experience like that. It was so electric and scary as hell. If you've seen the ending, I mean, people were like screaming in the theater, but I just remember the whole time hearing all these murmurs of people going like, no way this is real. Is that real? There's no fucking way. They wouldn't be showing this if this was real. No way. I mean, like I've never had a phenomenon like that. Did you have that same thing in the theater when you saw it? Richard? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. And the, I mean, what? The internet was barely a thing. I mean, I think I may have had AOL or, at the time. So it's like we had no way of figuring out what was going on. It was just a weird movie. It was, it was creepy. Did, when did Insidious come out? That was maybe the last movie I saw. Uh, scary movie I saw. And that thing scared the shit out of me. Uh, that was 2010. So I was 16. When that came out in high school, not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> I have not seen that one. I don't watch a lot of horror movies, but yeah, that's what it is. Uh, take us out of here, Sterling. You're, this you're, was you're... the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Richard, producer, the best, his must list, you must listen to or watch or read. I don't know. It's fantastic, though. It's always scary. Always something pretty cool, though. Great hair, great mustache. Uh, for Matt Connor, I love doing this with you, man. Every single time we do this, I enjoy it. I'm sorry. You make me smile. Grandpa. And you call me old, yeah, I'm and sorry. I'm like, I don't know, 10 years younger than you. Yeah, it's unfair. Yeah. It's uncouth, and it's uncalled for. To all the people listening, all the people in the chat, we appreciate you guys so much. Everyone in the Discord will be there. It's so much fun. Can't wait for game day. The Chiefs, we're hoping, bounce back against the Niners. I'll be doing the show tomorrow with Adam Best. Until then, we are out.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.